I'm Cole Eisenbarger with AIBA. I'm here with Joe Fusigna and Phil Badiato from UTA. Uh, they are non-traditional touring agents there. And this is AIBA Interviews. Um, first off, uh, Joe and Phil, just to you know, give the audience a little bit of uh, information about who you are. Um, some of your clients include Rhett and Link, Tiny Meat Gang. Um, do you want to talk about kind of some of the shows that you've been doing recently yeah. and uh, give them an update on, on where you are? Totally. Yeah, we uh, we touch a lot of different areas, right? So, we, you know, we usually tell everyone that it's anything that isn't like a traditional concert or like a traditional stand-up show. So our roster is really diverse. Digital talent, podcasting, TV personalities, kids entertainment, uh, some brand work, book tours, uh, and kind of the list goes on. You know, recently we've launched tours for Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, Cody Cohen, Noel Miller, Stassi Schroeder, um, Heather McMahon. I'm trying to think some other ones. Crime Junkie. Crime Junkie. Um, so a little bit of everything. We're, yeah. We're really excited about building touring platforms for anything that really hasn't had a touring history, but has like an active fan base. Yeah. And, and you guys are obviously very busy right now and you're working a lot of um, what we'd say like digital talent kind of projects, right? Mm -hmm. um, people who have built platforms for themselves on social media, on YouTube, um, and then from there have, have gone on to launch a little more uh, traditional of a career, right? Um, I wanted to first talk a little bit about Rhett and Link, um, as that's uh, one of the more uh, prominent shows that's been going on. Um, so obviously Rhett and Link, they're very uh, multi-talented uh, duo. They can do it all, right? Yeah. There's comedy, there's music, um, there's books. So um, there's been a couple different flavors of the show that's gone out. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about formats of their of Rhett and Link's shows and then uh, just in general with digital talent, like what the kind of um, looks are yeah. um, so that promoters you know, might have an idea of what this show really looks like? So we, we launched Rhett and Link in 2017. They were an entity that was probably, they're one of the largest entities in the digital space, biggest morning show, um, and had been around for 10 years. And we weren't really interested in touring, but we knew there was a big opportunity there. So we worked very closely with their team to build out a strategy around their book tour, right? They were releasing their first book. Um, and instead of just doing the traditional book tour model, we decided like, well, let's bring it to life and bring your fans something interesting. So we brought it into theaters, um, I believe it was like 23 dates. The entire tour blew out instantly. And and for them, it was about like creating, you know, an experience that wasn't just like a meet and greet and kind of like a pep rally, like which we had seen kind of in the digital space. It was about really creating <laughs> a show, right? And, yeah. and for us, that's kind of like what our whole career has been about. It's like, you gotta create a good show for to keep the, to have a long-term career. So you know, that show was essentially like, a step below like a full theatrical production cues and, and different props and things like that. So we put that out there. That was amazing. Um, but what we found is that like, we couldn't just go tour that again in the same markets because people already saw the show. So mm -hmm. we, Phil and I really like believe in changing the sight lines. So like the second show that we went out with was Rhett and Link live in concert, which was, you know, uh, for a lack of better terms, kind of flight of the Concord style music and comedy, <laughs> yeah. right? Multimedia, video, sets, props, costume changes, but like, you know, and they play like kind of like their comical music, right? Um, so it's just a way that we could go back into some of these markets, change things up for fans. Um, and, you know, and then the next time we tour them, we'll likely change that again. So 
it's a huge part of kind of the overall strategy if you're trying to build someone for an overall career versus you know someone has a book and they kind of you go into it knowing that they they just want to do one tour Rhett and link are guys that we'd like for them to be able to do this for you know as long as they want right so sure. um, not having it be stale when you think about like a musician and you know you're going to change the songs and all that but but really it's kind of the same thing there may be some different you know um, production to it but uh, with digital talent, you, you need to change the sight lines, you need to change the show format, um, you need to change the capacities. So sometimes it's a more intimate, like underplay sort of look, and then you'll go and do a bigger theatrical thing, um, or maybe it's a festival, whatever it is, to kind of change it up and, and really have a, a long career. And I think it's not about, and just not about like putting out the best of, right? If we mm -hmm. did Good Mythical Morning Live, that would just kind of be like it, right? Yeah. So <laughs> you kind of have to like, build it up and make make it feel like it's something different so yeah and it must be challenging because uh the type of talent that's coming up in this space is so varied um these are multi-genre acts these are acts that have um acting talent that have singing talent yeah. comedic talent um and then when you look at the genres of what's popular on on youtube or whatever um you'll see things like uh people who are makeup artists or mm -hmm. gamers um, people who play pranks, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that totally. sort of thing. Yeah. So with, with such a wide net of what's possible, surely there are a lot of, um, challenges in, in planning these shows and what the production looks like. Um, there, there was a Dan TDM show mm -hmm. at the Ryman where, yeah, yeah. you know, he's, um, kind of playing Minecraft on stage, yeah, yeah. you know, so can you guys talk a little bit about the unique production challenges that come along with this and how you, um, how you work with, uh, the promoters that you're going to be working with to put this show together totally. and make it make sense for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a lot of it starts with kind of initially planning for what the show will be. Uh, and we don't always have an exact sense of where we're going to end up with, you know, the final version of the show. Mm -hmm. But having a concept off the bat that, you know, you're getting the client excited about um, is really key. Very often, Joe and I will come up with a top line creative for a show because clients will come to us, you know, and say, uh, you know, clients of the agency that is, like, I'd love to do something live, but I don't exactly know what it is and I don't want to do a bad show. Yeah. And so, you know, if you kind of say, hey, well, here are some thought starters and they go, okay, that's exciting. Like we can kind of develop that out. Um, and then, you know, you pair them with the producer and the producer can kind of get into some of the nuts and bolts on um, what that could look like production wise and kind of take their grandiose vision and scale it down into the size rooms that it needs to be or, or pump it up if need be or whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, you're just kind of talking through what some of those production things look like. Um, very often we start out with just a couple test shows to kind of, you know, just make sure it feels right. If we're tweaking creative, all those sort of things. Um, and, you know, on the on the uh, promoter side, we're getting people writers ahead of time. So they kind of get a sense of kind of what the show is going to be so that we kind of, you know, they know kind of what they're what they're putting out there. Um, you know, we that's do a lot important. of pre-advancing. Yeah. <laughs> like right? yeah. Yeah. And because like Phil said, again, we don't know the nuts and bolts of everything, but a lot of the shows kind of follow a similar similar tech requirements. Like there's usually always an art, a visual component to it. Right. So you have a projector and a screen, right? There's usually some sort of set piece. So we'll have, you know, some sort of either like furniture buyout or prop buyout or something like that. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of the promoters have built up, you know, a lot of trust in them at this point. So they kind of get that, you know, we're down to work with this. If things change, like we know that there's additional expenses that go in there. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, for us, it's of the utmost importance to figure out a good show, right? Like the show needs to be solid. You need to walk out of that and tell all your friends, like you missed the Rhett and Link show or the Cody Cornwell Miller show or the Stassi Schroeder show. 
And then the next time it goes from a thousand people to 2000 people, not a thousand people to 500 people. Right. right. So, yeah. yeah. And I imagine you, um, you have to especially keep that in mind because these are people who are watched all the time. Yeah. Like if you've got hours and hours of content coming out from these creators, mm -hmm. um, people who are sitting at home, they really feel like they know, uh, who the creators are. Yeah. If they have that connection with them, that's fine and great. So the show really does have to be something different to set it apart. You don't, you want it to be, you know, what we found is it needs to be in the core of who they are. You don't want to shift too far right or left of it. Right. But you want something that's a little bit, that's unique and gets the fans excited. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, if it's a makeup person figuring out kind of like what that lane is, right. If it's a female lifestyle personality, what that lane is, if it's a political personality, what that lane is. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, we do a lot of deep diving into like what the, per, what the client's brand is to come to like come back, whether that's reading their book, watching all of their Instagram stories and YouTube videos and just kind of saying like, here are some things that could be a good idea. And we've done it a lot. So we have some formats that can kind of work. So mm -hmm. now I imagine that, uh, the VIP meet and greet is of critical importance here, uh, especially because you know, that, that connection is so strong between totally. the audience already. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what those packages look like? Yeah. Um, if you're bringing in, you know, companies that may provide that for you, yeah. what that looks like. Yeah. So, um, normally you're right. Like the VIP component is really important because people do want to, you know, meet these stars that they see on TV or, or YouTube or wherever. Um, so there's very often, um, a basic meet and greet package that's on top of, you know, a P1 ticket or a GA ticket or whatever it ends up being. Um, sometimes we'll experiment and do kind of two levels. So like a super VIP and then kind of like a basic mm -hmm. meet and greet or whatever they end up being. Um, so there's kind of different price points for, you know, for what VIP ends up being. Um, very often we will do them with, um, with a VIP, you know, company. Um, sometimes we'll do them um, with the promoters directly, just kind of case by case as to kind of how we set it up. Um, very often when we don't do it with, um, with the promoters directly, it's because we have a real proven track record and the show's um, going to sell out and the promoter's going to make a lot of money uh, off of the GA tickets and that sort of thing. So um, that's kind of how we look at it. And, and it's really important to us, like we've heard it over the years, like promoters, like I hate VIP, I hate VIP, <laughs> yeah. it adds extra time, it adds extra staffing, it's like extra money and we're not taking a piece of this. So like it's as important to us that like the artists and the fan have a good experience as it is to making sure like the promoter yeah. isn't saying to us, saying anything to us <laughs> at the end and saying like that was easy. Yeah, that you was know, sweet. we have our tour manager, tour producers on the road, making it seamless. We have our companies in there, you know, dealing with any customer service and dealing with any kind of like reach out. So we want to make sure it doesn't feel like the burdens falling on the promoter or the venue. So. Yeah, ever. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, now the sponsorship landscape here is um probably on the newer side yeah um but you know with these shows there's probably a lot of co content being created like vlogging as the show's going yeah. on there's yeah. probably ripe opportunities there yeah what have you seen from the sponsorship partnership uh, standpoint yeah. so most of it at this point um is more dynamic than it used to be so if you think about like you know i used to i come from the rock, the rock world so the jaegermeister tours that used to go out where it was like you know, Jägermeister on a poster, some integration, right. but really just kind of like that was the extent of the partnership. Most of them now um, live is a piece of an overall kind of ecosystem in terms of the brand and the talent. So the tour sponsorship will actually be um, one part of YouTube integrations and, you know, shout outs and kind of other things that are, you know, um, very often it's not a new relationship where someone's coming in to sponsor a tour. It's like, 
you know, the talent and the, and the, and the brand have known each other for a year and they're going to kind of work this into kind of, you know, their overall, um, you know, uh, you know, partnership. It's just much harder these days to um, to say, "Hey, here are twenty five shows. Let's find a brand partner to just present this." Like it's not that simple. It kind of used to be that simple, um, and so sure, some of them are you know relationships from years past, or some of them are new relationships. But even when they're new relationships, very often you know you kind of have to have them excited about it in a more three sixty way than just being on an ad mat or having an activation in the back of a venue or that sort and, of thing. And we, and at UCA we have like a really strong brand sponsorship team that just focuses on touring partnerships then we also have a team that focuses on licensing and branding and between all of the teams working together you know it's a, a very holistic 360 approach to this so like you know we're attacking it from all because someone might be having a conversation with bumble and then this person's having a conversation with Spanx, and we're like oh these these two conversations relate to our client like let's let's try to like link them into touring so yeah and and being nimble in the space is really going to mm -hmm. be an advantage because everything changes so quickly and yeah. you don't even know what synergies you might be able to discover well and part of that you know i mean the financial end of it's great but the um the marketing end of it is great for for everyone really right so um there are a number of deals that we're looking at right now that have no money attached to them but they're going to help everyone sell more tickets um, and so that's a, you know, that's a huge piece of it too. We don't just look at it financially. It's, you know, can you, if you're a retail partner, can you be promoting us and doing giveaways in your local retail stores and kind of all of those things to help everyone, you know, have more successful shows. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, what we're seeing is, is a surge of even festival offers for these acts and right. something that I've been particularly interested in is the Metarama festival mm -hmm, sure. that's been announced. And, um, you, you two have a couple yeah. of clients yeah, on yeah, there yeah. and, um, so that's a space where they're making a, it's a gaming and music and comedy, mm -hmm. just kind of uh, coming from many angles to create this cool experience for um, people who are in that YouTube and Twitch ecosystem. There's a little yeah. bit of esports tie in as well. Um, so w what do you see, first of all, happening with um, the upcoming stuff like Metarama yeah. and then looking beyond that on the horizon for festivals how do we put these acts into a festival situation successfully we are big supporters of trying to get our talent into the traditional festivals you're seeing the festival model change a little bit where it's not just music now comedy was involved and then it's food and then it's gaming or, or whatever it is people are trying to diversify their offerings so you know there are festivals that are doing it we have clients on you know uh, Cody Cohen and Will Miller were on Metarama and Outside Lands and Just for Laughs and Nashville Comedy Festival and Minneapolis Comedy Festival, right? Like Rhett and Link played the biggest show in North Carolina State Fair history, right? Like <laughs> they, um, you know, they're also on Nashville and Minneapolis and Metarama, right? Like, and what we're seeing from the promoters too is that when, when they take a, a chance and say, hey, like I'll, I'll book Rhett and Link or Cody Cohen and Will Miller, they're just seeing a massive influx of new people coming to the festival, right? Like, because these are fans that most likely wouldn't have gone to Metarama or Outside Lands or Just for Laughs. So it's a completely new fan base. And you're seeing a level of engagement with the festival and like, like promotion that they're, it's like an added value, right? So like, once you get someone in the door, then they're like, oh, I, now I'm a fan of Outside Lands. And now I'm going to come for future years. And I think one other thing is just the kind of experiential kind of uh, element to festivals these days, and it doesn't involve directly booking our clients, but I, I think that festival buyers and programmers are seeing that overall there are um, 
you know, only so many times you can have Jay-Z headline your festival. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're looking for other ways. And, you know, when uh, Panorama launched here in New York, um, you know, all the agents went to it and they were saying, oh, the music is great and fantastic. But there was this dome experience that like had this line out the door and um, everyone, uh, you know, was talking about it and it was just so different. And I think you're going to see if it's, you know, non-traditional talent or food activations or brand partnerships or experiences or any of that stuff. It's going to be, in my opinion, at least all very 360 and not just music centric um, to help prop up, you know, uh, the music acts. One, one specific example, it, like a few weeks ago, we were at Just for Laughs and, and Cody and Noel played there. Um, and one of the first questions they asked, right, this is the largest comedy festival in the world. And they said, how many people is this your first comedy, uh, comedy show? And 75% of the room raised their hand, right? <laughs> yeah. And this means that 75% of that room is being introduced to Just for Laughs Festival for the first time. And then they're going to say, oh, I like Jim Jeffries and and you know uh, Trevor Noah and like all these now they're gonna start to see these other maybe I don't even know who this person is but I like comedy now so um, I think that that's a really important point is that like not just for that festival but for all of the rooms that our clients are going into um, it, it's kind of one buyer put it uh, uh, last week as kind of found money because you're able to retarget um, all of these people, you know, you kind of if you're you know a promoter who's kind of been out there in the space and you have your your rock business up and running you have your pop business, your hip hop business or country or whatever, that stuff, you've kind of targeted all those fans, but these could be people that have never ever set foot inside your building and don't go to concerts. And once you have their emails and their familiarity with your space and all of those sort of things, like Joe said, for, for Cody and Noel, where at least half of those fans on any given show have never never seen a show, never, never been to that venue or whatever, now you have that email and you're able to retarget to those people for the rest of the shows you're trying to sell them. So that's a really important part in terms of you know, what the partnership could be with promoters. Yeah, so it's like cross-pollination, getting yeah. a, a whole new demographic in the space for some of these promoters. Mm -hmm. totally. um, and speaking of demographics, um, with a lot of the, the online digital creators that we see, uh, there's the thought that the audience for this is very young. You know, like we're talking teenager young. Yeah. Uh, in your experience, is this a myth? Uh, what are you seeing with the demographics? It's, you know, like we said, our roster is like very diverse, right? We mm -hmm. have clients uh, where we have, you know, kids tours where it's two to five year olds and then we have <laughs> clients that are like, honestly, their fan base is 60 to 70 year olds, right? And, and just depending on who it is, the demo completely changes. The digital focus, like, you know, YouTube talent, you know, tends to be a little younger, right? You know, I would say it's any, you know, teens to early 20s, right? But then a lot of our other clients fall in this kind of like 18 to 25 bracket, right? Um, and then some are a little older. So it's just tough. Like even within the digital stuff, there's some clients that are super young and some that are a little bit older on that spectrum. Um, but I think it's really cool. Like Phil said, these are people that are right at the beginning of yeah. their concert, yeah. concert event buying lives. And like if they go to the Ryman for the first time or the Beacon or the Chicago Theater, um, and get in the door like they're getting in the door because of Rhett and Link or Stassi or Heather or any of these guys so it's cool just to see that be the kind of intro into the venue but yeah 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 and so you know with a with a new younger audience I'm sure you guys find yourselves um, pitching to buyers who may not be familiar with uh, some of the acts oh, yeah. that you've got um, so you know if you're 
giving advice to buyers who are trying to yeah. learn about this space, um, how would you advise them to come up to speed and, and to keep on top of, of what's, um, what's hot? Yeah, I mean, one thing that's really important for buyers to look at with people who have um, you know, platforms is how uh, the engagement looks, right? So someone could have you know, 10 million followers on, on YouTube, but you wanna look for you know, likes and, and, and comments and kind of all the things views, that show, yeah, yeah views all the things that show that people are really excited because we've toured people with who seemingly have very small platforms who have incredibly engaged uh, you know, fans mm -hmm. and so way more tickets than people who have more followers or uh, you know, that sort of thing. So you really want to, you know, you really want to um, look at that piece of it, but you also, in my opinion, need to have a relationship with the agents and kind of be able to level with each other and say, um, you know, has this person brought me good stuff before? Have they been able to uh, have we developed stuff together that maybe I didn't know what it was, but we, you know, took a moderate risk together. We, you know, we won from there and kind of that's how we've built our business is like most people didn't know how this stuff worked early on. Um, and people that we have from, you know, our, our music booking days, um, you know, they took that first chance with us and we won and then we kind of built from there and built from there. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting because this kind of talent is, um, starting from the ground mm -hmm. with analytic tools built into yep. what they're Absolutely. doing. Yeah. So, you know, it's not some band that came together right. and started right. playing a garage. Yeah. They've had YouTube data from mm -hmm. day one. 100%. And so uh, I, I assume that the metrics that come along with that are, are very helpful oh, yeah. for both buyers and for you. Yeah. Um, so when you guys yeah. are, are scouting talent, you're probably looking at the same thing. Yep. Um, so along with that, you know, what, what do you have your eyes on? Uh, what are your operating yeah. guidelines when you're coming to which, which clients you would like to work with? It's, uh, I wouldn't say there's a, like a specific guideline on like, mm -hmm. this is how we work on tours. I, I think you're right in saying that what we always look at the analytics, right? And like when we're routing a tour, like we're not going to Kansas city if Kansas city is not a, is not like a top market, right? Just because it's a good music market. Mm -hmm. Um, so we look at those, but you know, when you look at the numbers, I think like, like Phil said, the most important thing is engagement, right? It's how highly engaged your audience, because those are the people that are going to go up buy a ticket, right? If you don't, if you have huge numbers, but low engagement, it means that you're getting some eyeballs, but like, those aren't the people that are actually going to buy tickets. And, you know, I think we have a client right now, Heather McMahon, who's on the fast rise and is, we believe is going to be a massive star soon. Um, and you know her numbers are lower than other clients, but we sold out every show in a minute, right? Like just because her fan base is truly highly engaged, right? And and same thing with Cody and Noel and Rhett and Link have massive, massive numbers, but like the numbers are the engagement's super high. So um, we kind of look at that and you know see what people are excited about, right? We'll ask, you know, we have a network of people that will ask, like, hey, do you know this person? Or like, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Um, before we kind of dive into something, but. Um, you know, you really, you don't know until you actually put it out there. I was just going to add for, for a buyer who's like not as tech technologically savvy, um, to, you know, about backend and stuff like that. It's really not that difficult to check engagement. I mean, you can go on anyone's YouTube channel and say, okay, they've got 10 million subscribers and they have, you know, this video has 60 million views or you go to this person's and they've got, you know, 6 million subscribers, but it's got 3 million views. Like it's like very easy to kind of see those patterns early on. Um, if they're on Instagram, how many followers followers do they have versus how many likes? Like you can you don't have to be super tech savvy to kind of point out like where people are like commenting more and like watching yeah. more and all that sort of thing. And then it's you pretty obvious. I mean, you come across opportunities too. We're about to launch a tour for uh, a, a very large kids entity, right? Named Blippy and. Um, the blippy numbers are, I've never seen anything like it. It's <laughs> yeah, truly insane. insane, right? Like 
just like 10x anything we've ever seen before. And you know, we're launching that with uh, a production partner, Round Room, and who are, have a lot of history in the space and are very, very feeling very good about this thing. But like, that's one where you look at the numbers and, the, and, and it's just like, this is a no brainer. Like this is, this is going to be really, really successful. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like you guys have a lot of exciting <laughs> things coming up oh, yeah. uh, and we look forward to following what you're able to create. Um, once again, um, Joe Fusigna and Phil Barriato with uh, UTA. Thank, thank you for your time. Thanks thank for you. having us on. All right, you guys have a good one. Thanks.